Hi, my good friends. Welcome to my podcast, Proclaiming Freedom. My name is Sadie Anderson. I'm so glad you're here. It's another great day to give glory to God, so that's what we're going to do. If you want to find more episodes or other resources on the topics I discuss, head over to my website, proclaiming-freedom.com. Okay, let's jump into it. Okay, friends, in this episode and the one after it, I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare. So obviously they both go together, but the beginning of this episode, I wanted to touch on some foundational principles and then go through some testimony. And at the end of the second episode, I'll kind of tie back in to another foundational aspect that I believe is important to understanding spiritual warfare better. I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 30, verses 10 and 11. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. A little further down in that chapter, in verse 16, it says, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So everything that God commands us to do in order to occupy until the return of Jesus Christ is not too hard for us. And sometimes there's a misconception in Romans 7 that the life that Paul describes of this man who is struggling to overcome sin or the flesh, that that is part of what our experience should be as believers and people who obey God. But the misconception is these are two different descriptions in Romans 7 and Romans 8. And in Romans 7, verses 4 through 6, Paul summarizes this contrast that he's about to expound on. Romans 7, 4 through 6 says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not the old way of the written code. That's the summary Paul gives, and now we'll go in more depth. So in Romans 7, verses 7 through 25, Paul describes the life of someone trying to follow God by their natural will and effort, and as Paul puts it, by the flesh. It's a cycle of failure and confusion and bondage. Effort after effort put forth to try and obey God and become like him. I feel like many believers today find themselves trapped in this cycle Due to a religious spirit, which 
is also referred to as legalism, and a neutered gospel, which is a gospel that's being preached that is stripped of its power. And I mean the understanding of the power that we have in the authority that Christ gave us. Not that the Word of God isn't powerful and the Spirit isn't working through it, but it's just not fully describing all that we have access to. In Romans 8, Paul's describing someone who has tapped into the God-given cheat code, this new way of the Holy Spirit. This is a cycle of overcoming, of bearing good fruit, and living in freedom. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You can be a born-again believer and still not be tapping into the fullness of the Spirit of God. You not only have access to this Spirit of God, but you are commanded to be filled with it. The mind governed by the Spirit. You have to submit to the Spirit, obey the Spirit, and then you will be living with the power to overcome, which means you'll be living in freedom and producing good fruit. But how can you submit to the Holy Spirit if you don't know or you aren't familiar with the Holy Spirit? And I don't mean familiar with the concept of the Holy Spirit, because we should be, as Paul says, governed by the Spirit. So that's not just thinking thoughts of knowing that the Spirit exists, but there's something more that we have to be engaging in and understanding the fullness of. Time spent seeking the Spirit of God, how it moves, how it speaks, how it feels, this is how you test and come to know the Spirit of God. And from that relationship and the familiarity in that relationship, you can now actually have the choice to obey and be governed by the Spirit. This connects to what I'm about to share in this episode and in the next episode, so just keep it in your mind what we're going over here. As believers, we must be so hungry for what God has for us that we're willing to move past our fears and the things that we're familiar with, such as an incomplete understanding of God, and embrace His Spirit working in us, around us, and through us. When we embrace His Spirit, there is uncertainty because we, we have truly submitted to the Spirit. As you obey and follow how the Spirit leads, you'll build up your faith, and the uncertainties are no longer doubtful distractions. That's when it gets fun, and, by the world's perspective, very weird. But remember, in 1 Corinthians one twenty-five. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Will you walk by faith even when your church members think you're acting undignified? Will you obey the Spirit and walk by faith even if your family thinks you're making a bad choice? And will you walk by faith even though people say, but we've never done it that way before? Following God takes baby steps, and he's pretty good at leading each one of us through this process. 
If you read about Noah in Genesis 6, it says, He walked faithfully with God. Another translation says, He walked in close fellowship with God. Noah had cultivated and developed his relationship with God as his father, as his friend, as his leader, as his king. Genesis 6.8 says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So knowing that Noah had a close relationship with God, I think I can say Noah probably took many steps in faith and obedience throughout his life. I believe God knew he could come to Noah with what we would think of as a ridiculous idea, and Noah had the faith and relationship to not only consider this idea, but agree to do it. If you want to be able to step out into the, quote, impossible things that God has for you to do, you have to have an intimate relationship with God. Each day, taking time to walk with God, to sit in his presence, to intentionally open your heart and engage in knowing him in the ways he wants you to know him. Then, when God tells you about this awesome idea he has, You'll be able to carry it out in faith, no matter how weird and crazy the world says you are, no matter how bad people make fun of you, those distractions won't matter. So with all of that in mind, I'm just going to talk about testimony of the past two years. So right now it's 2022, so I'm talking about 2020 and 2021. These were two years of heavy and constant spiritual warfare. Just cycles of attacks over and over like I have never experienced before. And they were on a level of intensity, even though I knew some of these attacks and I'm familiar with them, I've experienced them before, the intensity was was more And many times I didn't understand what was going on and why the tools I was using to fight back and to protect myself behind my shield of faith, they sometimes they weren't working. So I'm talking about attacks of depression, hopelessness, this overall spirit of heaviness. I experienced this for months and months. Now, I understand that 2020 was a global upheaval of everything that we've known so far. And so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to what I'm saying that I experienced. But we also have to be aware that it's not just the circumstances that can make us feel a certain way. There's spiritual warfare going on behind all of these circumstances. So when we're looking in the spiritual realm, we're seeing that it's not just I'm sad because I can't travel or I can't do the things that I used to like to do. It's... It's a spiritual attack that is going deeper than just the surface of circumstances. And there was, I was fighting against this spirit of heaviness um, in prayer, in 
binding and loosing. There was one time when I went to a worship concert and the guy leading it just had a prophetic word that there was a spirit of heaviness over this area, over all these people. And so he came against it and and I immediately felt a difference and I was happy about that because I felt like I wasn't being crushed, but it only lasted a few days and then the heaviness came right back and I could not get it off. This is tormenting when you know how to fight against things, you know what's coming against you, and yet for whatever reason, which I find out later, but at the time, for whatever reason, the prayers aren't working, the time I'm trying to spend focusing on God isn't working. This heaviness is just continuing to weigh me down nonstop. A second wave that I experienced was a spirit of suicide. And this is real stuff we have to recognize, obviously, like I was just saying, there's spiritual roots, there's spiritual powers behind the things that we can experience. And so this is why it's important to take every thought captive. Just because you had the thought doesn't mean that it belongs to you. It might be from the enemy and he's hoping that you'll think it's from you and that you'll agree to it and start feeding that thought and thinking on that thought. So this suicidal spirit thing, this was super intense. For like a solid two weeks straight, I would wake up or be woken up at 2.30 or 3 a.m. And my first thought when I woke up was, I don't want to be alive anymore. And I'm like, that is not for me. I Even though I'm experiencing heaviness and these other attacks, like I am not to this point where I'm agreeing with what this is telling me. So... I recognized right away that this was from the enemy, but it was so intense. After I would fall back asleep for another few hours, when I would wake up in the morning for the rest of my day, the first thought I had was the same thing. I don't want to be alive anymore. I shouldn't be alive anymore. And it's like having someone just screaming in your ear for two weeks like you can't get away from it I'm praying in the spirit when I get woken up I'm like let's put on worship music and listen to that let's know that the presence of God is here and get rid of everything else that is not from him that's saying all these things and coming against me in this attack but it just did not leave me for that solid 14 days and 14 nights of constant selling this message of death. The third wave that I would say is 
Spirit of Jezebel. And this is the thing that I've heard a lot of the prophets talk about. And I'm talking about prophetic people that have been talking and hearing from the Lord throughout this whole season in the past maybe three or four years. And they've mentioned that there's a spirit of Jezebel that has kind of taken over and ruling areas of the United States. And so they were commenting on, and many of the prophetic words that they got from the Lord was highlighting this battle that is going on in the spiritual realm over the country of the United States and the people that are in it. So Spirit of Jezebel is typically known by being very controlling and manipulative, um, a lot of anger and rage. There's this revenge mindset that comes with that and a hatred of authority. So I have not experienced this before this time. So it took me I don't know, maybe six months to figure out this is what it is. And I, the only reason I figured out this is where this attack was coming from is because the spirit prompted me to listen to one of these prophetic people and their testimony. So I'm very thankful for that because I was living in this place of being consumed with like rage and anger and even when I would try to have a good attitude or remind myself of the truth about who God is and who he says I am and to be thinking about the things that I'm thankful for that he's done in my life even when I'm doing these things to try and get my mind focused in a different direction any little thing, any thought, whatever it may be, would just set me off and I would be like obsessed with this, whatever situation it was of wrongdoing, whether it was actually something that happened or it was like just a made up scenario. Of like, what if this happened? How, how angry would you be? How much would you want revenge? Like, I could not get away from it. And that's not typically how I am I don't get consumed to that point and I don't get so distracted that I'm not even paying attention to real life that is around me I'm just so focused on these controlling and manipulative actions that maybe I should you know, take control of the situation. Maybe I really need to X, Y, Z, stand up for myself, say this thing, whatever it is. So I recognize that that wasn't from me, but again, it was very hard to pinpoint because it wasn't just like a spirit of bitterness or a spirit of anger. It is kind of a bunch of things wrapped up into this Jezebel spirit. So 
I was trying to fight and trying to identify spirits and get rid of them and identify the what the spirit of God gives us that's in the fruit of the spirit, um, the attributes, the things that God calls us to do and to be and to think about. I'm trying to tap into that, trying to use that to overcome this attack, but nothing was working. And so I'm laying in bed one night and just kind of praying and trying to think about what this is and what I need to do. And I just felt prompted by the Spirit to watch this video that Wanda Alger had posted. And it's her testimony of getting free from a Jezebel spirit, religious spirit, Leviathan spirit, just how you can kind of identify those and recognize what they look like, what they feel like, if they're in your life or in someone else's, and to be able to understand how we come against that. And so I watched this video, I'm listening to her testimony, and there's a lot of things that are resonating with me about the experience that she had that kind of opened the door for this Jezebel spirit to move in under the guise of like a righteous anger or like I'm I should be angry about this because somebody wronged me and it's clearly wrong and so the Lord doesn't like that so I'm not gonna like that so it came in under the guise of that in in her experience And so then she talked about getting rid of it and praying against it and just really being able to kind of guard your heart from that again in the future. So once that video got done, I just, I anointed myself with oil and I was like, okay, Lord, if this is it, if this is what this thing is that's been attacking me, then let's just get rid of it. I do not agree with the Jezebel spirit anymore. I do not agree with religious spirit, Leviathan spirit. I'm, I'm done with that. I want to be set free from that. And I believe that I have the authority by Jesus Christ to break these off and to be set free. So I kind of pray that prayer and then just go to sleep. Well, the next morning, I wake up and I'm not really feeling any like certain type of way that was like very significant until I started having this pain in my abdomen and it was like no pain that I've experienced before and so I just took some ibuprofen and thought whatever maybe this will help and It'll be fine, and it's not a big deal. Okay, but then this pain just kept increasing and increasing and increasing, and it's like my insides feel like they're tearing apart. Like, what is going on? So I don't really know what to do because I don't want to have to go to the emergency room, but also this pain is kind of like freaking me out, even though I'm trying to stay calm and breathe and try try to get through it. Well, I couldn't. So 
And I didn't want something super bad to be happening and just not do something about it. So I go to the emergency room. So my whole experience now as this pain is increased, increased, is I can barely stand up. I can't really walk at the point that I get there. My eyesight is blurry. Like I can't, even when I have my eyes open, I'm not really seeing clearly, even if I'm blinking and, and like clearing my eyes, all of that. And it was very difficult to speak. Like I felt like all I could do was just like make noises about how bad the pain was. So not a super cool place to be. (laughs) But as I'm going along, these nurses and all, they're getting me hooked up and asking me all these questions. And I'm just in so much pain and they're trying to like get my IV in so they can give me some pain medication and try and like go from there. But they can't get the IV. So here I am. The pain is so bad. I just... This is a little bit gross, but it's important. I threw up a few times from the pain. And the last time that I threw up, it was like as hard as you can and there's nothing inside you. So it feels even worse. And the second that I did that, everything stopped. The pain went from a nine to like a four or a three. And instantly my eyesight was clear. And I was looking around and I was like, whoa, like what just happened? Like nothing changed. Everything was really bad. And now everything is kind of okay. And I don't know why that is. So I didn't figure out until I thought about it afterwards, that oftentimes when you're getting a nasty spirit off of somebody, there can be like physical reactions that happen. So sometimes it can be yawning, sometimes it can be coughing or Throwing up obviously is a little bit more of an intense one, but there can be these instances in that moment of the deliverance happening. So I'm like, if the night before I anoint myself and get rid of this Jezebel spirit that the Lord kind of highlighted to me that was what is going on, and then now I have this experience where I am experiencing this pain and nobody knows where it's coming from or why it's happening and I can't see clearly. Like, to me, this is this is just revealing that there was something spiritual happening. And that's what I believe And I don't think that I'm over-spiritualizing anything because if we recognize the fact that the physical realm is a shadow of the spiritual realm and the spiritual realm is the truer reality that we can know and that we can be aware of, then 
to me, I don't think I'm over-spiritualizing it. I'm a pretty analytical person, so when I take things to the Lord, like ideas or things I'm thinking about, it takes me a while to really feel like I've put the pieces together, really feel like I'm hearing the Lord and recognizing and discerning kind of what's going on. So that was kind of like the climax of these whole past two years of spiritual warfare. Like since that that time, which was last December when that emergency room and pain, all that happened, since then it's like everything has been a 180. I feel like I can see clearly and think more clearly now. I feel like I'm not being weighed down by everything. I'm not getting attacks from every direction anymore. So to me, that was the end of that warfare season. So one thing about experiencing this kind of season and the intensity of it is in reflection you're like why did that happen was it my fault did I let these things in did I just open myself up to the enemy like what is going on and and what's the cause for this as I was reflecting And having that conversation with God, I felt like God reminded me of Judges 3, verses 1 through 4. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. And then verse 3, it lists different tribes of people, different nations. And then in verse 4, it says, They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, which he had given to their ancestors through Moses. So that whole thing, my experience with the spiritual warfare, that was all to teach me how to fight. It was like a level up into this battle with demonic spirits and demonic influences that were more intense than I had ever experienced. And some of them were more complex than I had experienced, like the Jezebel spirit. It's many things wrapped up into one, and so I couldn't quite figure that out as I was trying to pull it apart piece by piece. It has to be the whole thing that was addressed. So after the Lord reminded me of that, it's like, okay, cool. That was a training season. That was like getting stepped on and kicked for two years. But at least it was worth something. At least it accomplished something because I do not ever want to go through a season like that again and to have the confusion that I had during that season when none of my tactics were working, none of my strategies were being very effective. 
And that's because you have to learn that there's bigger and badder dudes out there. And so we've got to get some more weapons and get some more skills so that we can take on these new things. Um, Psalms 91 is clear that we are overcomers and that we are protected by God. And that was one of the passages, that whole chapter that I read very often through this season um, as a strategy to come against it, but also to encourage myself and kind of reset my mind on what God says about warfare and the things that come against you. Also, this ties into, and I'll talk about it more later, Luke ten nineteen. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So we have to understand that, yeah, even though what I experienced was more than I had experienced before, Jesus says you will... You have the authority to overcome all the power of the enemy, not just some of the power. So we have to hold on to that, and I have to hold on to that, even in those situations where I'm like, this is too much, nothing is working. When God was kind of revealing these things to me, and we were having this conversation, I was reminded of what it's like to have a good teacher or coach versus someone who is unskilled at teaching or coaching. And to have a good coach is to have someone who doesn't just tell you what to do or tell you how to do something, but they put you in this situation over and over And then as you're in that situation, they're showing you how to understand what that situation is, how to recognize that situation, and how to be aware of the options that you have and the skills that you have to play the game in that situation. And that is how you learn. You learn by doing it. And yes, instructions verbally are nice and they're helpful but when it comes to things like spiritual warfare you have to be in that situation because then your your mind is engaged your spirit is engaged and you're really recognizing like this is a real thing this is not just a theory that there are demonic spirits it's not just a theory and the words that God gives us in the Bible to overcome all the power of the enemy, those aren't just nice words. Sometimes you're in the situation where that's all you have to hold on to as you're trying to figure out what you need to do in this situation to fight back. An unskilled coach, they're somebody that just is talking the whole time. And they're not actually putting you in the situation so that you can feel what it feels like, see what it looks like, and understand the different outcomes that can happen. Talking at people is not teaching. And God is such a good teacher that he's willing to pull back 
the protection, some of his protection a little bit, in order to teach you to be stronger, to be more aware and more discerning, to be more in tune with him and walking by faith and not by sight or how you feel. He pulls that back a little bit so that you can actually learn that in real time and in that situation. And as much as that two years sucked and as much as that two years I felt like was a waste of time and nothing happened and is this a giant mistake and did I mess something up? As much as that is what I thought it was, God comes in and reminds you that uh, his ways are higher, just so you know, and that it's, if you think it's a waste of time, he probably got more done in that two years than you would have been able to do if you knew what was going on, because you probably would have messed it up if you knew what was going on, and I say that to myself, <laughs> to help myself feel a little bit better about going through a confusing time. So I'm thankful for the Lord to be willing to do that, to be willing to put me in a place that is very uncomfortable and confusing in order to teach me that there's I have the authority to overcome all the power. And so if this is just another step of experiencing all the power of the enemy, then I need some help and I need some coaching. So I'm I'm down for that now that I recognize the season and understand what God was doing. I also thought of another example of experiencing spiritual warfare that I just wanted to touch on just for another reference of what this can look like and what this experience can be like. Uh, I went to China a few years ago and the spiritual oppression over there is intense. Like the normal level intensity over there would be like a seven or eight that we would maybe experience here in the United States. And so you can feel that everywhere you're going. You can kind of understand and be aware of there's more evil here. There's evil here that is deeply entrenched. And I'm talking about the spiritual realm. So I'm walking around in China. We go to this Buddhist temple that was in this kind of like city shopping area. And we're walking around this Buddhist temple and it's laid out like a courtyard and there's these different areas where you can go and worship a different god, pray to a different god, and put candles up and things like that. The moment I stepped over the threshold into that Buddhist temple, my shoulder started hurting so bad. Like, I was surprised. This is not, did I sleep wrong? Like, did I just injure myself somehow? I don't even know what's going on, but it was burning and it was painful. And I look over at my friend and I mention like, my shoulder is hurting so bad. I think I need to take some medicine. Like, I'm not sure what's going on. And she replies, she's like, oh yeah, the second we got into this temple, I just started having a terrible headache. 
And so at that moment, I realized, oh, this is spiritual warfare. This is entering into this demonic stronghold. And they all know that you have a different spirit and that you're carrying Christ in you and that you are a threat. And so the attack just happened immediately. So as we're continuing to walk through this temple, I'm just kind of praying in the spirit under my breath as we're going along and just making sure I'm aware of what I'm feeling and anything else the enemy might be trying to do. Once we left the temple, I just prayed over our whole group and cleansed everybody and broke anything off that tried to attach itself to us and just thoroughly kicked the demons out of trying to bother us and and cause pain and distraction and whatever they want to try and do. So that's just another example of how real and palpable this spiritual warfare can be and your awareness of it is the game changer because there's millions of people who aren't aware of it and they they might feel something but they don't really have the understanding or the words to describe what it is but once you're able to recognize the demonic attacks and the strategies of the enemy now you can actually be in a position to fight back or protect yourself or whatever it may be if you're not praying for discerning of spirits and just discernment in general then you're probably missing out a lot this is this is the key like i'm just saying it's super important element in order to be able to recognize what's going on and recognize what you need from God and how how you can get that, how you can receive that, and how you can engage in his spirit and not in what the enemy is doing. When the enemy does something that's obvious and easy to recognize as being from the enemy. He's trying to intimidate, and that means that he's the one who is afraid. So we have to grasp the reality that the enemy uses deception to invoke fear, but you get to decide if you believe the deception and therefore agree to the fear, or decide to believe the truth that God and his heavenly hosts are more powerful than the enemy. In Revelation 20, verse 1 and 2, it talks about an angel is holding Satan in chains for a thousand years. One angel chains up the dude you think is big and bad and scary. God and his power and his heavenly hosts are not breaking a sweat, destroying the work of the enemy. And they're not worried about it. So we shouldn't be impressed by the enemy's work. And we shouldn't be afraid when we're experiencing spiritual attacks and opposition. Also, sometimes people say things like, Oh, you don't want to make the devil mad. Okay, well, 
the devil is already mad because he's a loser and his work is continually being publicly destroyed. And so if you're walking in the fullness of the authority you have and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are going to be making the enemy mad because you are participating in the destruction of his work and and putting on full display that God has more power than the enemy does. You should be making him mad by how you live. I'm not here to care about how demons feel. That comment and that belief, like, don't make the devil mad, is a fearful comment, and fear is a sin. We shouldn't be disobeying the 365 commands in the Bible to not be afraid. Going through a season like this, uh, spiritual warfare and the intensity, it also made me think of being able to relate to why Paul is so spicy and he can get kind of uh, salty in his writing to people. When you're tested by opposition, it brings a greater level of maturity when you go through that season and you come out on the other side. And so the things that used to annoy you or make you upset, now you're looking back on those things and it's like, that was nothing. Why are we getting upset about this thing? Do we understand that the enemy is roaming around trying to kill and destroy and steal from us? When you go through an experience of the spiritual warfare, it becomes very real to you that this war is going on and that you're playing in a role in it whether you want to or not. And you get to decide what role that is. Are you going to be a threat to the enemy and fight back? Or are you just going to close your eyes and go to sleep and hope everything goes away? So when Paul is getting spicy at people for having these disagreements or misunderstandings, I feel like I can kind of relate to that because it's like, Dudes, there's something bigger out there that we need to be focusing on. Just there's something more that we need to be fighting against than this other person in the congregation that you keep having an argument with. Like we need to lift our heads up and have a higher perspective of what the reality is. So like I said at the beginning of this episode, The next episode, I'll be going over more specifically some weapons that that I've learned about and that I've practiced with and kind of built up. And the Lord has shown me that, that we need when engaging in this warfare. The last thing I'll say, after these past two years, I am no longer tempering myself to the lies the enemy has tried to bury deep in my heart and my mind. The Lord has illuminated so many of these lies in my life, and now I'm overcoming them. I'm not going to be pushed around and bullied and let the enemy 
scream in my face and wake me up in the middle of the night. I'm not doing that. In Jeremiah 51, it's a continuation of a prophetic word that the Lord is giving about the destruction of the Antichrist and Babylon. And Babylon is an illustration of the most evil city, the most evil kingdom. And in this prophecy, the Lord says, See, I will stir up the spirit of a destroyer against Babylon. And after reading that and coming across that, and after having this experience, consider me stirred up. Consider me having received the spirit of a destroyer because I am ready to partner with the heavenly hosts and tearing down the enemy's strongholds and platforms. And I'm not just going to sit around and say nice words and hope everybody learns how to get along because this is a war and we are in it and I am not going to get pushed around anymore especially if my dad says that I don't have to be pushed around and that I shouldn't be pushed around. So I'm going to do what the father says and I'm going to be on his side. And so my attitude now is definitely changed. And the enemy wants to intimidate. All he did is made me mad. And made me realize how important it is to engage with the Spirit of God. And to engage in the authority that I've been given through Jesus Christ. So, that's where we're headed. Listen to the next episode. There's going to be some more about how to engage in this warfare. I put a link in the description to Wanda Alger's video that I told you I watched her testimony and some more to know about spiritual warfare. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you are blessed and encouraged as you listened. Proclaiming-freedom.com is my website. Go ahead and check it out. There's also a contact form as well. If you would like prayer, fill out the form on my website. I'd love to pray for you. It's one of my favorite things to do, so don't hesitate to reach out.